Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the County Corner Podcast. On this week's episode, Stephen and I will be discussing the postponed match against St Mirren and all the implications that were surrounding the match. We're reviewing Ross County's 0-0 draw down at Dens Park against Dundee and we'll be picking out the controversial moments of that match with Referee's Corner making an emphatic return on this week's episode of the podcast and we'll be looking ahead to the trip down to Fir Park to face Motherwell on Saturday. We'll be rounding off the show with the next segment of the County Corner Hall of Fame where we'll be asking you, the listeners, for your nominations for left midfield. Stephen and I give our own nominations which just to not spoil anything ahead of it, are two very different choices for different reasons. And yeah, let's see what you think of those nominations. Does anyone agree? Would you have your different nominations? So let us know in the comments down below. But first of all, let's get straight into the podcast. Right, we've had a couple of postponements over the last couple of weeks on the pitch, but off the pitch and in the recording studios, aka my living room and Stephen's garage, there's no such issues. So once again, we are back. Stephen's probably a little bit lighter in the wallet just now because having to keep his son Ross happy with all these postponements, a couple of trips to Smith's Toy Store have been in order, haven't they? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. You've got to then do something with the kids on a Saturday and um, Ross is no daft. He knows how to play the system. So he kids on, he's disappointed when the game's postponed. So then it's uh, out and about in the town and stuff trying to uh, appease him and keep him interested. So it's either that or it's a roller bowl or it's the cinema or something else. So... Um, Thankfully, looks like the football's back now, so fingers crossed that won't be an issue moving forward for a few weeks anyway. No, you can't really charge that back to the SFA, can you? You can't really No, not at all. No. I'd love to. There's a few things to, after last night's game I'd like to charge back to the SFA, but that's not one of them for sure. Oh yes, we will get into that. As I said in the, the tweet last night, I'm sure referees corner will be very interesting and... <laughs> Yes, um, going by some of the reactions after the match and, and whatnot, I'm sure it will be, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, We're just going to start off, obviously, just covering what happened on Saturday. The game was postponed against St. Mirren due to the weather warnings and police advice uh, just in the lead-up to the match. Um, I think it's credit to the, cl- the club and everyone involved uh, in that decision that was called off early on Saturday morning, probably a very, very much before a lot of St. Mirren fans started to make the journey down. I think it was almost going to be the inevitable decision. I think it felt like it was coming after uh, Cali's game down in against Greenock Morton was called off just because they were making the same trip that St. Minnan would have been making just the opposite direction and it was called off for the same reasons due to, to travel and safety concerns. Um, so, yeah, it just felt like it was coming, didn't it, Stephen? Yeah, no, it was a, a sensible decision by the clubs. Um, I know Fergie came out and it was a really good article he'd done in the press about the reasons why they couldn't have called it off the day before because he was right the weather conditions up north here weren't as bad as potentially other areas of the country. And even though there was the weather warning, we've seen it before where they've had weather warnings and we were right on the edge of it and had missed it. So, you know, we do want every opportunity for the game to go ahead. And I don't have an issue with the cancellation of the game at eight o'clock in the morning. So you said, Ross, fans haven't really begun to travel. It's when the, it's the cancellations after the fans have begun to travel is my issue. Um, and I think they've done a sensible thing. And obviously, St. Minna must have been agreeable with it. They were already in Inverness. They must have been agreeable to it as well. Otherwise, they would have kicked up a stink. So I think it was fair game the way that the, the, the decision was made and how it came across. And it was the right decision in the end. But I also applaud the clubs for leaving it as long as they possibly could to see if they could get the game on. Because obviously, we have missed some football over a, a few number of weeks. So it would have been great to get a game on on Saturday as well. But it wasn't to be. So yeah, sensible decision by all involved again. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at some of the other postponements across Scotland and even in the Premiership as well, St Johnson's match against Motherwell at McDermott Park was one of the games that was called off because of the weather warnings. Yeah, in the kind of in the area and also to kind of you know for the safety of fans, kind of at the the forefront of that decision. You know that would have been travelling from Motherwell or you know surrounding areas in Perth, so it would have been quite logical for Simmerin fans to be able to travel through Perth and then north to Dingwall yeah. then you know going past the game where it has been called off because of the weather concerns so yeah I, it's it's one of these things that you know it's potentially not you know in our area that was the the biggest concern it was just the the travel yeah. I think it, it, we were in the same same shoes with the trip down to, to Dens a couple of weeks prior as well you know we were yeah. you know very praiseful of the the refereeing decision and the, the pitch inspection to call it off early just because of the the forecast down there and if the pitch is going to be deemed unplayable at that point you know considering the forecast too it, it's it's the same thing so you know we're praised the referees for making that decision so we've got to praise the people in charge for making this decision as well to you know for the the thought of the fans and everyone involved yeah, no one's no one's out of pocket by it happening, Ross, and that's the sensible thing. Do you know what I mean? So, no, I, I, you know, there's plenty more midweeks, and there's going to be plenty more opportunities this season to play the game. So, and as well, I don't like it when it becomes that bad that the weather it becomes a lottery in the game. Yeah, it it can most nine times out of ten work against you and that and stuff as well. It's very you know it just spoils the game and. You know, we're, we're the paying public want to see a bit of entertainment, and it's if it becomes a lottery. It's not that so. Yeah. So yeah, as I said, sensible uh, decision all round by everyone involved. Absolutely. Like you look back to even the game, the first one that pops into my head was the 1-1 draw against Hibs on deadline day in January. You know, the wind that evening was absolutely mental. You know, you look at the two goals and both goals have come courteous to the conditions, you know. Yeah. Um, Jack Baldwin's been caught out with the flight of the ball from that's been held up in the air. He's trying to head it back to Ross and just misjudged it. And then even the equaliser from Jan's corner, that's definitely going yeah. to be, you know, helped by the conditions on the inswinger at that point. So you look at that and it's th- those are results then you're you're almost like praying to the gods to to give you that yeah. assist, you know, with the weather. So you kind of don't want to see that. You want to see matches won by the quality on the pitch. So yeah, absolutely. And as I said, it's, it's paying public. People are paying a lot of money now to go to football just with travel alone and that and stuff as well and all the commitment. So you want to get a good, you know, 90 minutes or 97 minutes or 100 minutes, whatever it is these days, of entertainment and a spectacle and that and stuff as well. So, so yeah, um, I think the, the, the sensible decision made. And obviously, it, it, you know, it was justified later on. I think the Alnest to Invergordon roads, there was roads closed and flooded and that and stuff as well. So yeah. even the home fans might have struggled to get to the game and that impacts on everyone's enjoyment as well. So yeah, I think the, the, the timeline and everything that went on, I think was just about right for me. And um, I'd rather wait to the Saturday morning to call it off than on a Friday night, unless it was that obvious on a Friday night where it was like snow and frostbound or frozen that you were never going to get it on. Like, do you know yeah. So yeah, no, no, no complaints from me for sure. One of the rearranged fixtures took place last night. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. A very, very controversial draw down at Dens Park against Dundee. So going into the game, there was a couple of changes in the starting eleven. Dylan Smith came in for his first club start of the season following uh, on from his Scotland under-19s appearances over the international break. And Victor Luturi came back into the starting at 11 as well. So it was 
it was a strange game to watch because it looked like at times County were the better team of the first half going by the saves that they made they forced Trevor Carson into um, you know Simon's one-on-one chance with him about halfway through the, the first half was a big opportunity but you look at the build up to that and you actually wonder would there have been a foul maybe awarded for a Victor Latouri tackle in the middle of the park so yeah. it's a big chance but VAR obviously had it say later in the game but you'd imagine it might have mm-hmm. had a say then but you know over the piece I thought first half going forward I thought we were very good kind of imposed a game maybe second half we weren't quite as fluid going forward but defensively throughout the 90 minutes I thought we were very very good Dundee kind of started to make their changes towards the the end of the second half and they started to stretch it a little bit um, with the the Mexican striker Pineda coming on and and he had a couple of decent moments running it at Smith and Baldwin and forcing Ross Laidlaw to some good saves and, and you know obviously we're going to come on to the refereeing decision but you look at you look at going into the match and you think okay you'd ideally want to go down to Dens and pick up three points because it's they're one of your rivals who want to be taking points off them but we've always said that if you can go and win your home games and draw your away games you're doing pretty well there so I think it's going to be looked at as a point gained especially just as the the second half went on with the you know the, the Dundee forward line kind of having a bit more of involvement in the game and the, the saves Ross was having to make yeah, I think when you go away from home, the impetus is on the home side to go and try and win the game. And for us, it's always about can you pick up anything additional on the road? You, you ideally want to win your home games. What I would say is around the teams around us, so this is a credit to Malky and the players involved. Because if you look at it, that was again another defensive lineup. And we've, ha- and we've chopped and changed a wee bit. Now, I know obviously we've had the games against Hearts and. and um, Celtic and Aberdeen with their husband, you know, goals conceded. But in reality, if you look at the teams that we've played around us, Kilmarnock away, clean sheet. Livingston, we only lost one goal and that was to a breakaway and that was the only real chance they had in the game. By their own admission, their manager has said that they, they stole it. Do you know what I mean? St. Johnston at home, clean sheet. Now Dundee away, clean sheet. So it's all the teams around us. So, and that's some different variations. And again, it was great to see young Dylan in there for his first start. You know, an advocate of him as a player and he will get the opportunities, but it's great. You know, again, clean sheet as defender. Didn't really put a foot wrong. Um, There was a few tired legs out. So you could see sometimes that the touch with some of the players and the odd bobble here and there, but that's to be expected and also to be given in fairness to the players because it's not their fault that they've not played for that sort of extended period of time. But for me, that's a massive positive as a, as a team. If we're going away to the teams around us, if you look at it, Kilmarnock away, we've not conceded. Dundee away, we've not conceded. These are important factors in us developing and climbing as a team, climbing up the table. Yes, I think we'd like to be a bit more of a threat right now, but you'll go through spells of that where strikers will be on red-hot form, and we've seen it so many times. And again, I keep going back to the fact that the reason these players are with us is that they're not consistent all the time. If these players get consistent, inevitably it will attract the attention of bigger play, uh, bigger clubs and they will move for bigger money. So if all of a sudden Brophy starts hitting a run or Jordan starts hitting a run or, or Murray starts hitting a run, you're going to start getting more interest in the players, but also, you know, it, 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 it snowballs. So at the moment, if, if we can't win, then don't lose. And that's, for me, I was really sort of happy at that whole side of the performance. But I also think we were that tight. We were just looking for that one chance and it was denied to us yesterday. And I think if we'd gone up the road with three points, 
we'd have felt really happy about what I would deem as a really professional away performance. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair way to describe it. I think those clean sheets, as you said, it's it's important. You know, important milestones as growing as a group. It, it lays the foundations for you know a run of form. At the end of the day, that draw last night has you know, ended the run of three defeats on the bounce, you know, yeah. prior to the international break. You know, I, I know it was a tough run of fixtures, but, you know, you're wanting the, the squad to be kind of building on their confidence again. Would it have taken a hit after those that kind of seven days? Probably, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely definitely positives in it. As as you said there, there'll be players that, you know, go through, you know, veins of form, as we've seen. Simon yeah. started the season on fire, scoring goals for fun in the League Cup. Uh, and you know he's he came back into the starting eleven last night in place of yeah. Alex Samuel, and you know you could see that he's getting into the positions. He's stretching a back line really well, and you know the chance that he had in the first half, the one on one, he's tried to do everything right. He's tried to put yeah. low and across Carson, and Carson's just made a, a really good save with his feet to, to yeah. deny him. And you know, on, on another day that probably goes in. Malky said that post match yeah. nine times out of ten, Simon Simon puts that away, and it's just. It's unfortunate that that was maybe just the one time it doesn't. But in the first half, is yeah, in the first half yeah. as well, they had James Brown had one. He was unlucky, wasn't it? Carson yeah. probably the best chance, and Carson just got something on it again, like yeah. Duran. Um, so it, again, we we were. I thought we were. What we were doing is we were being tight at the back. We were being definitely combative in the middle of the park. I've not seen Latoury stick tackles in like that before, and I felt you know he was probably. <laughs> going close to the wind with some of them but also what I like to see is that I felt that he's up his aggression now and I think that'll be due due to the competition around him he's back in the team he's got his chance so he's doing everything he can do I think we were smart as well we talked about a wee bit before we came on air with the podcast Ross about we were smart with some of the fouls we had to give away in yellow cards we broke up the play how many times have teams done that against us in Dingwall where they've taken a yellow card to take the momentum out of the game and what we've got also bear in mind, if you look at Dundee's record at home in the league this year, they've not been beat. Yeah. They've not lost. So for us to go down there and to win was always going to be a tough ask. And we said that they were a lot more organised. They said they were a workman-like team. And I think I said it was going to be 2-1. Now, for the, obviously, we're going to come on to the, the, the goal that didn't, we weren't allowed and it was chopped off. But we would only won the goal by one game, and that's sort of hope, along the lines of what we were predicting. You know, we thought it was going to be a really tight, cagey affair, and it, yeah. it, it turned out like that. So there was no surprise to me the game went like that, especially in the conditions. The pitch would have been heavy in that, and both teams haven't played for an extended period of time. So it had that sort of feeling of a first game at the start of the season where you're not fully up to full fitness, and the touch is maybe not there, and it, it's everyone's battling hard, but it's just that wee bit of fluency is missing in the in the performance. But I thought Malky spoke well after the game, but he said, look, if we get to a stage in the game where we know we're not going to win it, or it's, you're, you're, the danger is you push to try and win it and you lose the game, it's accepting that a draw is a good point. And I think away from home, a, a team that haven't lost at home yet, I think it's a good point for us overall in the season. But where we are, as far as, I, as I said, I think it won't be till 22 games when we've played all teams home and away, we'll have a better indication really where the, the side sits this year. But in, in the thing of the opportunity where we could have taken three points up the road, it's super frustrating what then happened and, and sort of played out in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Just touching on what you said there about the the yellow cards and you know that kind of the professional away performance. One of my favourite labels to see on social media at the end of a game is opposition fans coming on and labelling us as 
Highland hammer throwers or, or anything like that. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's funny to see because there'd be teams, as you said, that would come up to Dingwall and put in that kind of away performance and take either a point away, you know, whether they deserve to or not, or three points away. And it'd be the frustration that you would see them if we were on a breakaway, they'd be taking cheap fouls and breaking the play up, a yellow card, slowing it down, you know, getting back into shape and, and resetting. Whereas I thought at times we were maybe a little bit naive to, to moments like that. If there was a player kind of breaking through midfield on a dangerous attack, whether it led to anything or not, mm-hmm. just pull the player down early, get back into shape, take a yellow card. That's it. Whereas at times yesterday, I thought we did it very, very well. Yeah. As you said, it's just, it's that, it's that nasty side of the the, the, the performance as well, like off the ball. Yeah. It's it's certainly, it's not the, the prettiest thing to watch, but a team needs to have that to to build on. Yeah. They need to be that nasty. And you can see Dundee players getting really frustrated with yeah. elements of that performance. You know, Luke McCowan was bite, biting a couple of times at, at Latouri or players that were kind of making fouls around him. And yeah. you, know, you could see the frustration building in amongst them. Whereas it was important that, we were keeping our level heads that, you know, once a player was going into the book, they weren't then rash going in, committing to a second challenge. I think the yeah. only time that maybe anyone walked a tightrope, as you mentioned, was Latouri maybe in the second half after he picked up a yellow card. There was a foul he made just in front of the county bench, which yeah. you can see then the Dundee bench were absolutely raging at, wanting a, a second yellow card, kind of, you know, yeah. you know wanting, wanting blood for that, essentially, wanting, wanting to see us go down to 10 men, which, you know, maybe on another day, would we've been lucky that the referee's not seen it. I'm just playing yeah. on. But um, no, I think it's it's important to to have that nasty side. And, and almost, if, if we're not at our best you know, bring teams down to our level of performance yeah. at that point. You know, don't let them run away with the game or or play, you know, any fancy football. It's it's frustrate yeah. them. It's frustrate the, the home fans, which they clearly were seeing some of the comments post-match yeah. too, which is understandable. And, and you should take pride in that. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got the opposition fans rattled after a game and you've got the opposition team, I always laugh when you hear a manager of an opposition team saying, oh, yeah, we won today, but the opposition, they're a good team and he's a good manager and he's trying to play the right football and you've just been cuffed 5-0. You know, I've seen that so often, you know, because they, they, the reason the opposition manager is praising the opposition is because it's not been a challenge to them. And it was something probably under Derek Adams' time where Derek sort of instilled that belief into teams. is like, look, you can go and make go and upset teams and, and don't be scared to upset and have that nice bit of nastiness in there. Yep. And I think that draws testament to the clean sheets we've had against the teams around us. Yes, it's harder to do that against the likes of Aberdeen Hearts, Celtic, Rangers. They've just got more firepower and they can spend more money. And we just, you know, we, we know that. But the teams anything out with that sort of top four, top five, there's opportunity there to match up and, and make it tough. And I don't see, as you said, Ross, other teams come to Dingle and it, it's always then seen as a professional performance but with us, it's, oh, it's we Ross County, they're not playing football that well. Who cares? Do you know what I mean? It's like if so many teams have done us done us that way in Dingwall, as you said. They've either got the draw or got a you know a, a smashing grab win and you're sitting there thinking they've done nothing to play football and they've got it. Well, have some back sometimes, do you know what I mean, to the opposition clubs. I'm sorry if that sounds brutal, but it's like, why should we turn up and just roll over and be an easy touch? So as you said, the pleasing thing is I think we're starting to really as a squad learn that side of the game. And also I think as well what we've managed to do is we've looked at it and gone, do you know what, it's a squad game now. So if, if I take one for the team and I do get suspended, yes, they don't want to miss it, but they know 
it's a big part of it. You know, there seems to be an acceptance by the squad now. I imagine players not playing are frustrated, but I think they all know we'll get a chance at some point, and it's about them playing their part in that squad over the whole season. Yeah? So I think um, that element was really pleasing to me. And I think, again, we've just maybe hit a wee barren patch with the, the goals and that, but I think that will come. Yeah. Um, and it'll only take, it's like anything, it'll only take one goal and it will spark everything. You know what I mean? In open play. And it's usually when it, when you're going through these spells, it's pinged off of someone's backside and in, or as it should have been last night, a keeper fumble and you're at the back post to knock it in. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one in terms of, you know, if you look back to previous seasons where one goal set off a chain of, you know, chain of results or chain of performances, you know, you look back to January when, you know, Eamon first arrived on loan, scores on his debut within, what, 15 minutes? And then yeah. you go on to win a comfortable 3-0 game. You look at the Dundee United game in Dingwall, you know, you score early in that. All of a sudden, then you hit you hit four. And that was a county team that were struggling to score goals up until that point. And it's it's literally just moments like that that can then, yeah. you know, can set off the the performances, results from that point. So yeah. that, that'll come. That'll come. We've seen at the start of the season, the, the squad are capable of it. So yeah. it's just it just goes in cycles with with clubs of our size of our of the squad's capability yeah. and you know we're not a we're not a, a big side in the league that can just you know um, swap out a player for the exact same quality that spent millions of pounds on someone to take them in and yeah. whatnot. Sometimes you've got to live with these players through these cycles and support them and and get through it because you know that you've seen what they're capable of just a month prior, whereas they might be going through yeah. a balance spell just now, one goal and then they're flying again. If anything, they end up working too hard up front. They try too hard. They try and run everywhere and get involved in the game. And sometimes it's about, as Malky was saying, you know, nine times out of ten, Simon scores on. It's slowing yourself down and just having that confidence in these moments where the pressure's been building because you haven't scored. And it's either put your laces through it and hope that something breaks or just steadying yourself and having that confidence in your ability. And as you said, it'll come. We will be probably speaking the next couple of weeks of going, what a number of goals we've now seen from Brophy. What a number of goals we've now seen from Murray. Jordan White starting to bang them in. We'll start to see that happen. Do you know what I mean? And it will come. It will absolutely come. And the good thing for ourselves is we know at the back now we're tight. We're relatively tight. Against, maybe against the bigger teams, we'll, we'll struggle a wee bit, but that's just quality against quality. And it's not a criticism of our squad. They're giving us everything. But against the teams around us, if we can remain resolute and tight at the back and be combative in the midfield, the chances will come. And it, it won't be a huge amount of chances at first but once your confidence starts coming up that's when the players will get free and that we saw a wee bit last night I felt Danda was starting to get back to a bit more of his influence last night and having a bit more of what we saw you know towards the end of last season when he was so dynamic he felt especially for the cross all of a sudden the delivery starting to come back and yeah. again it will just start feeding it'll drip feed but once it gets going it's like opening the tap then and, and you, then the goals will flow yeah absolutely you can see his growing influence as the second half went on. And as you said, the, his cross led to the very controversial incident of the half. So we've left it long enough. Referee's corner. <laughs> I've been chomping at a bit. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely no way was Jordan White interfering with play. That ball has gone well over his head. And the thing, you know, the, the, I think it's been made out that he put the keeper off. The thing that put the keeper off was he thought his defender was going to get attached in it. Nothing to do with Jordan. I think he thought that, and he was had one eye on the keeper, uh, sorry, the defender coming back, and he's fumbled the ball. 
you know what I mean? And James Brown is nowhere near offside. And again, without going too much into sources and that and stuff, I managed to speak to someone involved closely in the, the whole thing. And the feedback was that the, the VAR had actually given the goal. And they'd asked that the, that's where the ref had gone to check it. The ref, they'd said that the goal should stand. My understanding of it anyway. And that the ref overruled it, which is a massive concern to myself because... I don't remember many, if any, that for me, I understand why fouls or penalties that the ref's gone back and had a look at it. I can understand being called to the monitor. The offside is, is, is pretty clear on that one for me. And Jordan had, you know, and, and this thing about when he's spoken to Malkin, I'm, I'm really scratching my head in this. It was a subjective call. Well, VAR's not about being subjective. It's about presenting the evidence. Is it a clear and obvious mistake? And for me, that was a clear and obvious mistake giving offside because Jordan wasn't directly involved in any of the play. Yes, he was running in and yes, you could deem at the point of contact he was in an offside position, but you have to be active. And it's not he's not winning that ball. He's not getting anywhere near that ball. So if actually when you look at the end, he's so far away from it, it looks like he actually stumbles as he's running into the box because he can't get anywhere near it. So he's not actively involved. And... If anything, the most relieved man is Carson, that he's made an absolute rick there. Now, I understand if he spills it and it turns to the right-hand side where Jordan puts it in the net, then you could argue the case and say, well, he was offside in the build-up and he's actively involved in the play. But even this second phase, you know, the play in that, well, when does that start then? Because the keeper spilled it. It's a goalkeeping error. It's not anything to do with the offside. So for me, I don't understand how it didn't... And my concern is, again... This is, you know, for me, I keep banging on about it. It has to be professional refs because for me, they would analyse and look at these things a lot more and they'd be very clear on what is. I, I just don't buy the subjective. And for me, if that was one of the old firm and the ref made a subjective call, I'm pretty sure there'd be an absolute hoo-ha about it in the, the sports media over the days and weeks ahead. And that referee would be making another subjective call on Saturday because he'd been demoted. So... My frustration is all the hard work the guys have done defensively and we could have been coming up the road with the three points. And I hope later on in the season that doesn't cost us if we're pushing for a top six place or something like that. That could be the difference. Yeah. So it's really disappointing. And I just think it's not, you know, this, this subjective word just really grinds at my gears at this point in time. My view on it is when I saw it first, I thought goal. Now, even trying to take my county tinted glasses off, I, I, I still think, I do still think it should have been awarded. Um, I understand the debate over if Jordan's interfering with play as, as you've explained there yourself, but it's the distance the ball travels. Now, Jordan's starting position, he is offside, but he's not in Carson's eyeline at that point. He obviously crosses, he goes across as the ball comes in. Now, the ball's past him. He's not reaching it. And the movement he's made, yeah, okay, he's maybe tried to you know, lean forward to see if he can get a, a hopeful touch on it. But I think people that play football know when they're going to make contact with the ball or when they're not and when they're trying to lean forward to make a touch like that. Now, does that lean forward put Carson off? No, I don't think so. I think he can see from that point that Jordan's not making contact with the ball. Now, he obviously goes across, makes a run across, Carson's concentrating on the ball. Shockmessy then makes the run across. 
I then think, as as you've said there, Carson's gone to make a deliberate attempt to play the ball by catching it or trying to control it and has fumbled it. Now, if a defender did that, so if the, if, for example, if the ball's come into, try to come into a striker's feet, but the defender's got there first and tried to take a touch first rather than playing a pass, that defender's tried, is tried to get the ball under control. So you could argue that that's maybe the, the start of the next phase of play. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd look at it like that as well, that, you know, it's not like Carson's had to, to be forced to dive across and make a save. And that's yeah. when he's palmed it across to Brown. You know, I'd argue that he's tried to get the ball under control, but he spilled it off his own mistake. Yeah. And Brown's been the one that's capitalised on it. However, they then deemed that Jordan's the one that's, you know, punishable in, in all of this. Now, it's it's quite interesting because there was a similar call at Pataudry a couple of weeks ago um, <clears throat> in the 0-0 draw there with St. Johnston where Duke was awarded as offside after a VAR check where he was deemed to be interfering with play as the cross has come in. Now, he's, I think he's pinned up against Considine, who actually goes out for the header and heads the ball into his own net. So I can understand that, you know, Duke was the one actually making the challenge at that point and has, has forced the player to make that error. Whereas yeah. I, I don't think Jordan running across is the one that's then forced Carson to spill it. I think he spilled yeah. it off, you know, off his own back. You know, yeah. I, I just, it's, it's a frustrating one to take. I think, you know, if that was, if that was against us, you'd be looking at it calling, yeah, you know, you'd want that to be awarded offside. But if it was offside, you'd be looking at it thinking, maybe got away with one there just because of yeah. the, the way that the play goes. I mean, you've only got to look back to the the goal that Celtic scored against Kilmarnock a few weeks ago. Um, that was, I can't, I can't remember who scored it exactly, but I think it was Hitate that was yeah. in an offside position, but they deemed that he, that he wasn't interfering with play, whereas you'd argue that he was actually interfering with play more than, than yeah. Jordan was, and that goal was given and that one wasn't. So, you know, it's it, it's frustrating and you're talking about like a subjective call there. The the one at Pataudry, the referee was called over to the monitor to have a look at it himself. I thought both times that when Colin Stephen made the box, I thought he was going to award the goal because that's under my impression. I might be wrong in saying this. When, when the referee makes a box, he's either been told to award the goal if it's a factual decision like the offside or... Yeah you know, he's overturning a decision that's been made once he's been over at the screen. So the yeah. first time he makes the box, I think, okay, well, he's he's allowing, they're going to award the goal because they deem that Jordan's not interfering. So then yeah. for him to jog across the screen and, and view it was quite odd. But then when he's come back on, if he's going to, you know, stick with the original decision, all he needs to do is put his hand in the air and just award the offside. doesn't need to yeah. make the box because the VAR's actually not made the decision there. It's, he's sticking yes. with his own decision. You've only got to look back at the playoff final against Park Thistle when Nick Walsh was called across the screen to look at the the penalty where it was, you know, a potential foul on Ross Doherty by Noah Kenny when he was driving into the box. Now, Walsh has gone across to look at the screen, but he's come back onto the pitch and just waved, okay, you know, play on, free kick. Yeah. I think it was like a throwing a free kick down our corner of the pitch. And he's just waved, okay, let's go. Yeah. He's not made the box. Whereas yeah. then when Colin Stevens come back on the pitch, he's made the box. I'm thinking, well, he's he's going to give the goal, but then he's pointed for offside again. So yeah. it's almost like it, it it just looked a mess. As you've said there, if, if Farr is trying to advise him, well, look, we don't see anything wrong with this. But if they've asked, if they've said to him, look, you can go across and, and make the decision. I can understand that because he's the referee on the pitch. And I, I guess the yeah. prerogative is to 
you know, to not referee a game from a VAR yeah, point the, of view. The, the referee decision is still final. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably why they've called him across the screen and say, look, we think it's this. What do you think? And then he's decided, well, no, I still think it's offside. And that's well, my, my understanding is they've said they think it's a goal. They, they think it's a goal. They think there's not an interference in play. And he's basically gone and doubled down in decision, which he's allowed to do. They don't have yeah. to call him to the monitor. He can still take the decision to go to the monitor and check it. Yep. But it seems like he's doubled down on his decision, which is really frustrating because I've not really seen that before. Normally with offside decisions, the variables dictate to the referee and say to him, look, you know what I mean? So my understanding is, you know, if if VAR didn't feel it was an incorrect decision, VAR wouldn't have got involved. No, Do you know what I mean? No. They'd have just gone, you know, they would have kept the offside and that was it. They would, you know, the offside would have just taken place hmm. and the, the free kick would have been given. So, it's just super frustrating. And again, for me, it's about professional referees. And again, I keep reiterating back what I said along. I'm not saying that the current referees are not professional in their approach. Do you know what I mean? I have respect for that. And I thought Malky spoke very well. I think there needs to be an analysis of the data and the managers getting together to have the chat about clarity on these things and actually with the refs and come to some agreement on it because... For me, a subjective decision is just an avar. How can you make it subjective? Subjective. That's why VAR was to take away that issues. So for even that to be said rings massive alarm bells. And I think it's about time that they got around the table and had these discussions because that's the second time Malky's now asked for that in the, the, the yeah. previous games. And it seems to be falling on deaf ears. And if it doesn't, and then things get worse along the line, not just for county, but other decisions, then you're going to go, well, look, they're not listening. And at the end of the day, the clubs are paying for the VAR as well. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So they, they are a stakeholder in this. Do you know what I mean? And the expectation then is there has to be a bit of consistency. And I will say it's not VAR, it's the issue. It's the people that's operating it. And yeah. and there is obviously massive problems with this now. Um, but I do honestly feel, as I said, maybe it's my toys going out the pram a wee bit. If this had been one of the, the bigger city clubs or the old firm, I think we're doing a lot more traction on this by this time tonight. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, I think I think everyone would agree on that. I don't. I think every mm-hmm. fan of a smaller club in the league or in the country would agree with that. If yeah. a decision like that went against a bigger team, you know, you look at maybe the the big two or kind of the big five or six clubs in the in the country, there there would yeah. be a lot more traction with it. But because it's gone against little old Ross County regardless if we're a premiership club it'll just be oh, um, is what it is. and we're not so the darlings of the southern media do you know what I mean so it sometimes can suit the narrative for them but I just still feel there should be a bit more on this now and there should be a push on it because it's happening too often do you know what I mean yeah um, but for me it's just a real head scratcher I've not seen that before where a, a basically a, a VAR check for offside has resulted in the referee then going and deciding and you know, what I mean, it's just it's been it, it was very bizarre the whole thing. And as you said, Ross, twice they indicated the box, which indicates that the VAR they've checked the VAR and they're going with the VAR decision. So for them to stick his hand up, it just felt like he was doubling down on the decision just because he decided that was what it was going to be. And it's a bit like, well, there's no point in having VAR then if that's the case. You know, it just defeats the purpose. So yeah, massively frustrating. And I think it would have been nice to go up the ro- the, the the road with three points. And I hope that just doesn't cost us later on in the season where that could be the difference between breaking the top six, you know what I mean, or getting right up there and, and making a difference. Yeah. I think it's just the it's the frustrating one where if the offside is deemed as a um 
you know, is it a, a factual decision or a, a subjective decision? I think that's why they've obviously deemed it as some referees will view Jordan as interfering with play, some may not. I guess it just depends who you've got on the pitch at that moment. Same with the, the penalty against Partick or the, the non-penalty. Yeah. Nick Walsh, we were lucky that day that he was the referee on the park and he's deemed that it wasn't, whereas Greg Aitken, who was the, the VAR official that day from right, thought, well, you might want to have a, come and have a look at this. We think he might have made a clear and obvious error. If that yeah. was then him on the park that day and he's been advised, he would have awarded the penalty. So again, yeah. it's just, it's it's each referee will have different tolerance levels, you know, and different, um, you know, interpretations of rules and laws and where someone's maybe interfere with play, some, someone's not. And I think we've just fallen foul mm-hmm. of having the wrong referee last night, you know, um, I think the, the problem with that, I've got a wee bit of that, Ross, is you hear the shout, with, well, let's only use VAR for the offsides because it's clear-cut. Well, there you go, it's clear-cut. And obviously the VAR is telling the ref, we think you've, this is this one's wrong here. We think it should it should stand. Yeah. So the ref's obviously doubled down on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wouldn't go to VAR otherwise. VAR would look at it and go, correct decision, foul, play on. Yeah. So that's, there's, that's there's thing, obviously, they, the... they've got a different opinion of it. Yeah. But for me... That's that's what what frustrates me. I can understand fouls in the box, you know, like and and the sort of red card decisions where it might be a bit more, you know, you need to look at it. And I get that offside one is, you know, and again interfering with play. Well, if that's the case, there's going to be a lot of offsides now starting to be given with players in the box, and it'll be interesting because it, it's, you know, the frustrating thing for me is we'll now get one against us, which will probably be given as a goal, yeah, and nothing will probably get said, no. It's, and that's the frustrating thing for me, like yeah. Jane. So it'd be interesting. And, and sort of the irony of it is, you had something recently in the Scotland game against Spain, a very similar one. Do you know what I mean? Where it's flown yeah. over a ball's head, and there's no way the keeper's getting it. Yeah. And the SFA are writing to get clarity in that. Well, I think the SFA should be writing to one of their own referees then after last night and getting clarity from him as to why that's happened. Oh, referee's corner back with a bang. <laughs> it's back with a bang. Back with a bang. Thank you very much, SFA. It's been it's been quiet for a few weeks. I'm wondering what's going on. <laughs> well, well, just we'll, we'll see kind of what goes on. I think it's the, yeah. the last point I wanted to bring up, just with the kind of the officiating of the match last night and things. Um, there was a, a match that Colin Stephen was in charge of a few seasons ago in Dingwall against St Mirren on Boxing Day during the COVID season, so the 2020-2021 season, excuse me, yeah. season, where uh, County went down to nine men and they lost the game 2-0 against St Mirren. Now, the, the second sending off was for Ross Draper. Now, Ross was sent off for two yellow cards in the space of five seconds in that game. He was sent off, I think it was for a foul when he's gone up for, for a header or made a challenge and then the St Mirren player that's down on the ground has obviously had a has a has had a little maybe not so polite word with Ross, um, telling him what he thought of him. And Ross has just kind of put his hand down him and just try to push him away, just to be like, okay, right, settle and kind of go back in. So Colin Stevens showing him a yellow card for the first foul, and then two seconds later showing him a, a second yellow for the push or what yeah. he deemed to be a push. Now Slightly different circumstances, but last night I thought Dundee were maybe a little bit lucky not to go down to 10 men because Zach Rudden pulled down James Brown when he was breaking forward, which to me was a yellow card challenge. You're stopping an opponent potentially on a dangerous breakaway. You know, he was past Rudden, he's just pulled him down. And then Rudden, 
as as Stevens blowing for the foul, boots yeah. the ball away to the other side of the pitch, but he's only shown him one yellow card for it. Whereas yeah. other referees might have shown him two. And Colin Stephen is someone that has previous of showing players two very quick fire yellow cards. And I I I was very surprised he got away with that one because it it, it was blatant. And what you're you know, we spoke about being labelled as like the hammer throwers and things like that. We were making fouls like that during the game and getting booked for it. So why yeah. why was there the lack of consistency there? And then the second offence for, yeah. for kicking the ball away, which I think is the second offence which he was booked for, whereas he actually arguably should have had two. Yeah, the, oh, the BBC Scotland live feed were lapping at the kept saying, oh, normal service was resumed, booking for Ross County. You know, it was, it was, you know, but as you said, there was a bit of inconsistency, but it doesn't surprise me with that referee. Do you know what I mean? The way, as you said, there's history of it there. And again, for me, that's why I think it should be professional refs where they can spend more time developing and, and looking at how these things and what, what it should be so it's clear. Because if there's, there's all this thing about how the ref interprets the rules, well, then it should really be up to the Football Association then to be clear on what the expectation is. And I thought Malky spoke well, as he said. The, the, the conversation just doesn't have to be about the, the referees can be about the manager's conduct and how they, they react to things and get that round the table. But in fairness to Malky, I thought he kept quite a cool head in it last night considering you know it was quite yeah. philosophical and just asked the question. So I think there needs to be that sort of um that dialogue forward and back. Because what we want to do is we just don't we want to avoid these things becoming issues and it, it has been a massive issue again. And it potentially has cost later on in the season it could cost county places in the league which is money to the club as well. So you know, I'm not one for um, banning refs or demoting them and that and stuff as well. But it, it, yeah, really frustrating the way that played out last night. I'll be referee's corner <laughs> over again. Hopefully <laughs> for hopefully I would love it. I would, it I would love it a week where we can just sit there and talk about sexy football and lots of goals. Do you know what I mean? But you know, when games are that tight and you've done such a great away performance in my mind where you've been so resolute at the back you've been salty you've been awkward you've not given much away you've you know you've dug in you've you know dogs of war types of performance and just that, that wee bit of what you need is that break and we got it it was there we earned our break in the game by working hard and for it to be cruelly taken away from you for something that just doesn't make sense is so frustrating as a fan Oh well, off the back of that away <laughs> performance and result at Dens Park, we make another away trip, this time down to Fir Park to face Motherwell on Saturday. They obviously had a very good start to the season. They've had a bit of a sticky patch uh, recently, just a few consecutive losses, but you look at the opponents that they've come up against and it's it's been close. They've been pushing Celtic and Rangers very, very hard over the last kind of couple of weeks and we're just unfortunate to, to come out of the wrong side in those games. Yeah. Obviously, there's a few familiar faces down at Motherwell, Stuart Ketwell being one of them as manager and, and recently likes of Blair Spittle joining them this season, uh, last season and Harry Payton joining them towards the end of last season and then making his move a bit more uh, long-term during the summer. So some familiar faces down there. It'll be a tough game. We've had an okay record at, at Fir Park over the last few years. So are you hoping for much and such the same again? Uh, well, I'm hoping that we don't get nine minutes of added on time unless we're struggling yeah. <laughs> to, to get yeah. the winner. Uh, and also, I remember the last time there, there was the, the mistake that was made, uh, wasn't it? The, the ref blew the whistle too early when it was at George Harmon was coming in. So that, that day was too traumatic. I've tried to put that out of my memory. Uh, I remember yeah, unfortunately, I've not forgotten about that. You know, so um, 
But there that's you go. That, that that's actually interesting because um, that night um, on the on BBC Scotland on Sports Sound, it was discussed that you know the referee got away with one because if Harmon put that into the back of the net, and then that he'd already blown for the penalty, there would have been an uproar because yeah. then it was overturned. Whereas then yeah. you look at what's going on at Rugby Park. You know, you, yeah, they, they had the warning six months prior. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true, Ross. That's very true. Like Joanne, no. Uh, it will be a tough game. You know, I mean, probably there's not many better people placed in KLL to know about Ross County and the club and, and, and everything around it. And obviously, boys like Blair Spittle and, and Harry Payton obviously had a foot in our camp as well before. So, it, again, it'll be a really tough game. There, there's not much between the teams when these games are played. Um, no team tends to, to, to run away with it, bar the one last season where it was, as you said, it was just one of those freak games where they just seem to get a foothold in the game and, and everything that could go wrong went wrong for ourselves so um, I suspect it will be a, a, a close game I can see it being a score draw I can see it being a 1-1 to be honest um, and I think um, both teams right now will maybe cancel each other out I think Motherwell are starting to have a wee bit of a wobble at the moment if I'm right I don't yeah. think they've, they've you know and I think that's this is maybe why we can go so again if we go away to Motherwell and pick up a point on the road, for me, it'd be a decent point. Ideally, I know people panic and say, oh, we have to win. It's a must-win game, you know, where, where we are in the league and that. But it's also tight right now. I think it's really about making sure that we don't take another thumping, but it kills the goal difference. And and we can, you know, we can just, you know, take a point on the road. Ideally, we'd like to go down there and win it. And if you never know if we get an early goal, we've got something to hold on to there as well. But, I, I you know, I can see it being a... a such a close game between the teams. I think they might cancel each other out a wee bit as well. And again, I don't think it'll be a, a game for the purists. Though. I think both teams do like to play football. They've got players that can play football. Yep. And it might be decided Spittle versus Danda in that respect. You know what I mean, those two individuals yeah. who've got that wee bit of quality in that stuff, you know? Because um, I can see them, Harry Payton and the boys in the midfield uh, up against County, you guys cancelling each other out with just with the hard running and the, the you know the the hard yeah. yards that they'll put in, um, but I, I just have a feeling it could be that maybe that one free kick situation or delivery into the box from either or of those players might decide it. Similar to but the Kilmarnock win, yeah. But I just have a feeling it'll be a one-one, and I can yeah. see again. I, I've just got a feeling that Simon Murray might get back to scoring ways, and it might be him that would settle it. I think it's interesting when you look at the Motherwell team. They've obviously had a few injuries uh, recently. Um, like I said, Mika Berith has been out injured. Callum Butcher as well. I think Butcher's coming back into fitness, so he might be in contention for this weekend. But one player I think they will be missing because he would have been suspended for the game on Saturday, but it was postponed, was uh, Lennon Miller. Yeah. Uh, he's been kind of gaining loads of headlines for them with his performances in the middle of the park. So I'm just trying to find confirmation of it. I don't... I, I, can't quite see anything right now, but I'm sure because of his red card against Livingston just before the international break, it would be yeah. the next match he was suspended for. So their next match now lines up being against us. So yeah, know, that that could kind of work in our favour, I guess, with a you know a a trio that's obviously been working very well in the middle of the park, whether it's been Miller and Peyton and Spittle or kind of yeah. whoever's been in there. Uh, I think Miller, Slattery, and and Spittle have been the the three most prominent midfielders. So if you take someone out of there and you've kind of got to rejuggle it and reshape it it could kind of benefit County because it won't be the same kind of flow they've obviously yeah. had not had any in recent games you know their their game on Saturday yeah. was postponed they've not 
had a match in midweek. So, you know, if if we can take a little bit more of our match sharpness from last night at Dens into the game on Saturday, it, it might work in our favour. Yeah, uh, and I think as well, Motherwell don't have that Van Veen type character, that sort of talisman that always worry you that they'll, they'll get a goal at some point. So yeah. again, with our defence, the way they've been against the teams around them, and I would, I would categorise still Motherwell as one of those teams. I would still, you know, as much as Kets has had them at a good run, I don't necessarily look at them as what I would deem as one of the, the big top six teams. I think they're probably as a club, they're obviously a bigger club than us. I'm not disputing that. But in the levels that, you know, we, we can, we've, we've had history of being able to match them up and yeah. give them close games. So from that point of view, is I think, as I said, it'll be, a, it'll be a small margin game. It might be decided by the odd slip here or there or that bit of quality. But I just feel that it might end up just cancelling themselves out in some shape or form throughout the game. But if you're to offer me a point before the game, I'd probably take that based on a way, uh, you know, an away, away run, which is really tough for ourselves right now. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't get any easier with the no, to, it doesn't. But to Hibs next week as well. That's, that's, it's the Premier League. We have to accept that. We're in the Premier League and we're we're working well with the resources we've got. We're competing and that's yeah. what we, we need to do. Um, but I'd rather be that. I know there's some fans that some say, oh, sometimes the championship, you get better football because you get more time in the ball and you see more goals than that. But I'd rather be competing at the top level. Do you know what I mean? For me, it's all about really sort of testing yourself and that, that shouldn't scare players. For me, it should actually excite them and motivate them to go and say, well, look, I'm on the stage now. I, I want to go and show that I can play and not just play, but be better than the, the boys that are in front of me that's worth or, or paid more and worth more money. That would be my motivation to go and show them up week in, week out. I'm going to go for a 2-1 county win. Now, my reasoning for that is I think we're due a win against Motherwell. Yep. last season barring the 5-0 game the other three matches were very very fine margin games you look at yeah. you look at them and the the game in January against against them they went 1-0 up through a goal through Stuart McKinstry Jordy Hula then equalised yeah. and I think we were kind of pushing towards the end potentially chasing a winner there again they perhaps were a bit frustrated to come away with only a point rather than three yeah. The, game, the game in Dingwall, the 2-0 loss. That was Baldwin, we were, wasn't it? Baldwin yeah. got sent off unfairly. And again, we're talking about consistency. That was the, the, yeah. the last man challenge, which was about 40 yards out. And there was the boy pinged the ball so far in front. It was nearly in the pathway by the time he was going to get the next touch. You know? yeah, so, so, yeah. Again, that's just fine margins because at that point, we were the better team. And a decision yeah. like that then, you know, changed the whole complexion of the game. And obviously, Motherwell showed their quality towards the end. And then the match and the split, you know, the fact you've got nine minutes added on and I think yeah. by the time Van Veen's penalty, I think, was taken, we were over the 100-minute mark, which obviously yeah. because of VAR delays and stuff like that. But again, it looked like we were the it looked like we were the better team. It looked like we were going to get out with a point. Mm-hmm. Again, a red card goes against us, a penalty overturned, then a penalty awarded for Motherwell because of yeah. VAR. It's just, you know, it felt like in the last couple of fixtures the luck's just not gone with us so I feel like we yeah. have to do some even look back to the top six season the penalty the, that they got yeah. Dingle, and those, Dingle, again, yeah. again it's just it's fine margins and you know it's surely with the law of averages we're going to pick up three points against them eventually so yeah and we not, battered we battered them 
we battered them in that game as well. I remember it well. It was the boy Kelly was just pulling off save yeah. after save, and it just we, we just could not get in there in the end. Like do you know what I mean? so, just showing his quality as a keeper, I, I think Liam Kelly's yeah. right up there with one of the best keepers in in the league. And you know, <laughs> they obviously showed that last season. You know, Van Veen took a lot of the headlines, but I think Kelly is as a goalkeeper. You know. Good goalkeepers earn you points across the course of a season. Carson probably did that for for Dundee last night, but so did Ross yeah. Leibon. And Liam Kelly, since he joined during the COVID season, I think yeah. picked up his fair share of points from Motherwell. So, you yeah, know, credit credit to them for that. So, um, but no, hopefully we stick two past them on on Saturday and get back up there over three points. But yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. I hope I'm wrong and you're right, Ross. I'd be delighted if that was the case, like you Oh, so would I. I'd come on next week. Just <laughs> right. We'll see. <laughs> So now, just to just to before we go into the Hall of Fame stuff, the rearranged fixture against Sibirin, the date for that has been announced. It is on the twenty eighth of November, which is a Tuesday night, seventy forty five, kickoff in Dingwall. So that kind of starts another hectic run of fixtures for us. Unfortunately, uh, the the Saturday prior to that is the twenty fifth. We've got Kamarnik at home. Going to the midweek game against St Mirren, which is on the 28th. On the 2nd of December, we go away to Livingston. On the Wednesday, the 6th, yeah. we've got Motherwell at home. And then ending that run, we've then got a trip to St Mirren to, uh, to Paisley on the 9th. So again, that's five matches in the space of just over, what, two weeks? That's yeah. a battle of laughs, eh? <laughs> well, the good thing is we have the squad now to go and compete with that, Ross, and it does give everyone opportunities. So, you know, there's chances to go and make a name for yourself and state your claim in the team. And again, I know myself when I was playing, I much preferred playing games than training. Um, the training wasn't a worry to myself, and I'm sure it's not to a lot of these boys now with the fitness levels and that and stuff as well. But just the, the nature of the competitive football would be they'd be much happier playing games and that. So plenty of opportunity to go and state a claim and make a name for yourself. And it's, uh, it's just a shame a lot of the games aren't at home because it'd be great if they were coming thick and fast at home just to give us something when the nights are getting darker. But that will balance out later on, as we said, when we get to the, the sort of festive period where we do have a few at home in the run-up to Christmas and there thereafter as well. To be fair, the two midweek games there are actually are at home, whereas, you know, the run that we've yeah. got this week, the two midweek fixtures this week, and then the one next week, they're both away yeah. from home. So it's just a, weird that the, those two cycles have come about, but yeah. we'll, we'll deal with it. And I think as we go into December, hopefully, you know, touch woods between now and, and those fixtures, we don't pick up any kind of injuries or that. But I think yeah. Josh Reed is close to making a comeback towards the end of this month, or sorry, yeah. the end of, end of November, start of December. And... Well, have, good to see Sims. Sims was back last night as well. Sims as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think Nightingale missed out. I'm not sure if there was maybe an injury or illness there. That's yeah. that's kind of been there's there's not been any news on that that, that yeah. I've seen. Um obviously Jay Henderson picked up his hamstring injury up in Broda. Hopefully yeah. he'll have recovered for that for these kind of run of fixtures. So even yeah. if, even though we've got kind of a busy schedule between now and the next international break, you know, that that then week off will potentially just get everyone back in, reset. Yeah. Even looking like Ben Payton and Ross Callahan, they'll be closer to coming back as well. I think the yeah. aim was that Ben would be back, I think, November or December time. I'm not sure if there's been a date given yeah. on the offs yet, but you just look at that and you you, you need these players, as you mentioned, the, the squad. Yeah. With, with, with two more away games and then Celtic at home, yeah. at the next three games, really, in that space, such a short space of time, in that seven-day period, if we could avoid defeat in all three, 
you're probably looking at as a, a, a good week <laughs> because it's yeah. two away against, you know, decent opposition and then Celtic at home. Yeah. So, you know, that would be the, the sort of baseline. You know, if we could we could keep that, then anything else is going to be a real success for ourselves. Um, but it's it's where we want to be tested. You know, we were in the Premier League, so that's the nature. So you've just got to, you know, and what was it? I think Ross County had posted in the, in the next three games a thousand and six miles or something Correct. round trips. Yeah. Which is a good start to know. Do you know what I mean? So it shows and all these teams from down south are complaining and coming up to Dingle once or twice a season. It's a long journey. Well, look what we have to do. But again, as a team, use that as your motivation. That's a bit of team building. Everyone's in it together. You know what I mean? And, and you know, as a squad, you're, you're, you're in this together. You're doing the, 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 the matches and the miles. So, you know, it will, it will form a bond there and hopefully that will make things, you know, it certainly looks like now, especially from last night, even though we hadn't played, there was a real steely determination about the team to get stuck in and, and compete. So yep. that's that's a positive, and that's maybe you know we're we're building a team now. We might see the benefits, especially in the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. We've obviously got our reoccurring Hall of Fame section. So last week we asked everyone for their centre back nominations, which we've had quite a few come in. So we're what we've had to do is because. Spotify only allows us to have seven nominations listed for a poll. We've gone through all the, the nominations and picked the seven most nominated players, which just a couple have missed out just because they've only been nominated once. So to go through them all, we've got Tommy Brown, Scott Boyd, Andrew Davis, Andrew Davis and Brian Irvin, Brian Irvin and Scott Boyd. Another one here from Taffy Mack says, Grant Monroe, Ian Maxwell, Scott Boyd, Brian Irvin, Robbie Williamson. Another nomination with quite a few, Johnson Belshaw, Mark Harrell, Robbie Williamson, Alex Keddie, Brian Irvin. And the other one we've got here is uh, Stan Sokolovsky and Johnston Belshaw. So the seven that we've gone with based on, on those and the nominations from ourselves, just in no particular order here, is Scott Boyd, Andrew Davis, Grant Monroe, Johnston Belshaw, Brian Irvin, Ian Maxwell, Robbie Williamson. So we'll be putting them into the poll in the podcast so if you want to head across and vote for your two favourite centre halves we'll make it that you can choose several different choices so the two there with the, the most votes will be going into our Hall of Fame 11 from the poll from last week based on right back we still have one day left on it so currently Mark McCulloch is out in the lead with 35% of the votes not including Stevens one as well, which will take it a little bit higher. Uh, ahead of Marcus Fraser on twenty six percent of the votes, and the other ones are kind of scattered across there. So you know, again, it's 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 quite tight. A few votes here and there might might swing the final decision, but we'll discuss that next week once the the poll is expired when we've got our final choice of right back. So yeah, this week we've decided to go for left midfielder. Now, Stephen, who is your choice and why? Okay, so there's a few standouts for me over the years. Um, we've been very lucky, I always think, with left midfield. Now, what I would say is some of the names I'm going to mention here potentially could play in other positions. So if we do end up nominating or the person is successful in the nomination, you do have the opportunity to put them into another position within the team as well. Um, so there is that opportunity. So looking at the over the years, the players we've had in there, Standout ones for me, I remember Kareem Bukra on left midfield. I thought he was a maverick who entertained 
and had a bit of a finished product and could score a world of a goal. Very much for me, Ian Vigers in the, the season that he played for our sales um, with the Invincibles and then into the first league, season in the Scottish League and got his move to Motherwell. At that point in time with the Scotland squad, I was actually surprised he never made it into the Scotland squad. I don't know what it was that prevented it. I don't know if they just maybe felt he didn't have that pace, but he reminded me that at that time, like said, Barry Robson could get in. He wasn't a player either that had blistering pace. But what Vigers had, and I thought, like, so Barry Robson, he had a delivery and an ability about him which could cut teams open. And I thought he was sensational at that point before he left. I thought he really was a Premier League player for us. Do you know what I mean? So certainly he one I would consider, obviously, with, you know, highest cap player in, in Ross County's history in the Scottish League system, Michael Gardine. I imagine people will look at the left-hand side of midfield and a, a light midge there. I prefer him potentially somewhere else in the the, the the voting but I'll you know in the weeks ahead I'll, I'll come back to that but for me if I was going to choose someone in left midfield the player I would choose would be Cammy Robertson who is the captain of the, the Highland League winning side who took us into the Scottish League he won every single trophy as the, the captain at County in, in the Highland League days and was just he again probably a bit like a Mark McKillock type player an unsung hero in that respect even though he was the captain, he would work up and down that touch line, and he could he could go more into the midfield as well. He was you know a strong player that way. You know sometimes he would have Barry Wilson out in the left. You know if they needed way, but Cammy could play there and was just such a stalwart. And I remember uh, we won the league cup uh, final against Fraserburgh and Barry Briggs, and Fraserburgh had taken the one 0 lead and Cammy had equalised and he absolutely smashed the ball in. Do you know what I mean? Cut inside and smashed the ball in. Um, and a, a, a scouser as well with a name like Cammy Robertson you would think he was a native to Scotland but a scouser as well um, from my understanding and again he lives abroad and he lives on one of the islands now way out abroad and that and stuff and he's not based here and that and stuff so it'd be great to know if Cammy listens into the podcast and that as well but for me just my memories of growing up and, and someone who's a, a leader and again there's lots of captains in that team in fairness a lot of leaders guys who would lead the team but he was the guy that was chosen by Bobby Wilson and Bobby very rarely got it wrong at that time, you know, with the trophies they won. And and Cammy was a, a mainstay and a, an integral part of the team. And uh, yeah, just someone who, you know, put the work in and probably had a lot more quality than he was given credit for as well uh, as a player. But just, you know, again, competitive um, and, and probably went under the radar a wee bit, even though he was the captain. Um, but again, just my memories, great times in the Highland League and going into the Scottish League. And um, I think with Cammy as well, the, the, the problem was I think he ended up working, he was on the rigs for a while, he was at the, the fabrication at Nig and that and stuff, I think it was. And he ended up going to the rigs, so that sort of curtailed his time at County. I mean, he came back second season in the Scottish League and he was sort of two weeks on or, and, and three weeks off or something like that. And Mind we beat Air United, who were a good side at the time, at the league above us in the Scottish Cup, and Cammy scored a goal from that as well. But pretty much after that, then you know his sort of career at County petered out because of his work commitments and, and that and yeah. stuff as well. And it was a shame, but yeah, for me, Cammy Roberts would be my choice in the in left midfield. Interesting. So um, my choice is just based on I think some of the best years of his football was played in this position. Stephen's alluded to there that I think he's going to be his nomination in a different area of the park. But 
on the left-hand side, have got to go for Michael Gardine. Just uh, as you mentioned, Stephen, you know, highest appearance holder, record goal scorer over the years, what he's achieved at the club, you know, the yeah. the role that he had probably in the, the pinnacle in the club's history of that League Cup win. The important goals that he scored over the years, you know, the, the, he kind of capped off his Ross County career in the, in the best way possible with that winner at Motherwell to ensure our Premiership survival in his last game for the club. Um, you just look at, over the course of his career, how many spells he's had at the club. Is it, what, like four or five in total, I think it is? With oh, all, now the, you're all the loan so spells ah, on yeah. and off. Yeah, he came on loan from Celtic originally, yep. and then he ended up at Morton and then came back to us and signed. Yep. And then Went he, to Dundee United. At, at the Dundee United, year. and then came back on loan, loan. again, and then yep. the loan was made permanent, wasn't it? Yep. yep. So four. And then, so, yeah, and so, yeah, three strokes four, in other words, yeah, yeah sort of in the roundabout way, because one of the loans was just then made permanent. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't argue with it. Do you know what I mean? For me, though, again, you're saying he, you felt he played his best football there. I would maybe disagree where I would put him because I felt he maybe played his best football slightly elsewhere. Um, and that was maybe uh, more of the time of the championship winning side in the Invincibles where he was played off the front. And I yeah. thought he was, you know, the, the amount of goals he scored and that's the reason he got the move to Dundee United. But I can understand your argument on it, Ross. You don't go and win a league cap and score a goal in the final and then you know set up the winner set up the winner as well or be involved in that process. Um and I know under Jim McIntyre he liked to play him on the left and some of the goals and stuff he scored. And again in the championship winning side um the second time around when we'd went down, he was a massive part in getting us up. You look at it now and people say, well why did Danny Armstrong not get a game at County? Well the reason was Michael Gardine was there. Not even just Ar- Armstrong. You look at Davis Kaylor Dunn doing very well yeah. down in England just now, and he he was kind of trying to break into the team, but it didn't work for him because again, yeah. you look at the quality that was ahead of him, and imagine yeah. all the experience, the his technical ability, and and just yeah. what he could produce in, in moments as as we've said there, the 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 goal against Motherwell to keep us in the league, the League Cup final performance to yeah. to score as you said, score the opener as well, you know, set up the winner, just yeah. just everything, you know, and it, it just seems to. It's weird for for some players because it just seems to click for them perfectly at some clubs, and then when yeah. they try and move elsewhere, it just doesn't quite work for whatever yeah. reason it might be. And I think it's probably gone that way for Midge just because yeah. everything's worked perfectly for him at Ross County over the years. The success he's had, the appearances he's made, yeah. you know. But you look at that kind of spell at, at Dundee United; it's, it just didn't quite work for him at that point. And then even the the loan spell took to Kilmarnock and then yeah. come back it's just maybe just players enjoy familiar surroundings and can just feel comfortable where they can play their best football and, and that's just just what happened for Midge over that time and and you've mentioned it there and playing off the front with Colin McMenamin during that yeah. kind of invincible season was just that it was incredible for me I well. thought that's when, I honestly still think that's when he's at his best I felt yeah. with Midge because he was so two-footed yes playing I can understand left midfield he could cut inside in that but I always felt through the middle where he could go either side and have the space to then drive into. I remember very early on in his career at County, it was the oh, it was the first season we'd got back into the championship. So he'd been a big part of getting us out of the old division or division two as it was known at the time, division one as it's known now. And we played a pre-season friendly down at Falkirk at the time, who were a league above us, or might I know it might have been the Premier League, and they had um 
Russell Latapy and all these sort of boys playing from the were they were proper side. I think Schmeichel's might have been in goal for them. He was on loan at the time and that and stuff yeah, as yeah. well, Casper Schmeichel. And we played a friendly, ended up two two down there, and he tore them apart. And he was playing centre midfield. Yeah. And then in that start of that season, we beat Cali and Inverness three one. And Cali were they'd been just relegated and they were fancy yeah, yeah. to go straight back up. And Midge I mean, Giacomo and that got the goal and stuff, and there was I think the other boys got the goals. But everyone was raving about Gardine at that point. He was sort of the, the best kept secret because he'd been at sort of lower league level and then he sort of appeared in the championship. But he matured. But I remember him playing through the middle and being able to just go left and right. And I, I always yeah. feel that's where Midge was at his best. He, yeah. he could really hurt teams because he was so two-footed. Yeah. And he could score a header as well. For a wee lad, he a few headed goals. You know, he, was, right. he was a pest that way. But just his ability to turn and when he had that the ability to go past players and I felt in later years he was relying then more on his his you know um, footballing brain to get him through that yeah. which was fine don't get me wrong do you know what I mean it's you know but time catches up even at that level do you know what I mean it does catch up with you but at that time I just thought that was when he for me was in his palm and it was a shame we never kept hold of him for that first season in the Scottish League because yeah. I, I honestly think if we'd kept hold of him I think we could have been in Europe at that yeah. time so we only finished two points off a third place yeah. and that was a European spot at the time and I honestly think he could have been the difference because he was that good he was yeah. really that good like Duren it, 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 it's been a joy to watch him play over the years because yeah. he, he's probably as close to Billy Ferris as I've seen in my time do you know what I mean and everyone knows what I think of Billy as a, a, a player in that do you know what I mean the, the ability to entertain fans and you knew when he got the ball he could do something and and, and have a finished product from it as well. Yeah. No, I think that's fair enough. I There's, there's one moment where it sticks out for me as one of my favourite memories. And it, conveniently, we've spoken about the moments against Hibs in the League Cup final, but this was actually against Hibs at Easter Road in the yeah. Scottish Cup quarterfinal. You know, the, the involvement he had in both goals there. The, I think the first one was awarded as an own goal because it was his shot that was saved and then it rebounded yeah. off the defender to go into the back yeah. of the net in the first half. But the... The second goal, I think we've spoken about it in the podcast before, that kind of volley that that equalised to make it 2-2 right in front of the county fans. And it's I, I just remember it as the ball, it was just rolling so slowly. It just felt like everything was going in slow motion yeah. that it's just bobbled into the back, uh, to the far corner and the, the away stand's just gone absolutely mad. And, I, and I've spoken about that. That, I think, was the moment where county really announced themselves as, okay, yeah were now to be taken very seriously because that was almost the um, the jump start on the journey that maybe yeah. we started to go on there because you go to a, a top flight opposition as a championship club and you think, okay, well, you know, the champion the the championship club should be beaten here. The premiership yeah. club should be going on to the the semi final. Wasn't the case. We played Hibs off the park that day and should have won the game on that day. Shouldn't have even had to go to a replay. Yeah. But then all the success that then has come off the back of something like that. So. Yeah, um, it's just no. You're right. To... I agree with you. At that point, we always felt we were a Highland League team that had got into the championship. That yeah. was always the impression with the clubs around us. As you said, at that point, I think we announced ourselves as a, a, a you know solid championship club. And I think yeah. uh, was it Stephen Craig was talking about that that yeah. just because the amount of games they had to do, if we hadn't had that backlog of games for the cap run and the amount of games they had to play, I don't think Stephen Craig was far off. We would have probably had a chance of winning the league that year. Oh, it was, it was mental. They might have something like what four yeah. games in the final week of the season, wasn't it? It was just yeah. ridiculous. I mean, just so. I think that's what in the end up 
killed us in the finals. Mm. We were just gassed. The legs were gone. We didn't have a big squad and it was the same boys playing all the time. Like, do you know? So, so yeah. So those are our nominations. Please let us know about your nominations. I think Stephen's listed off a, a fair few notable mentions there as well. Likes of Vibers yeah. in that Premiership season. It was it was a coin toss between the two of them just because of how good he was. But, you know, uh, I, kind of, I wanted to get Midge into that left-wing spot where he's played, obviously, over the years as my two strikers are... As you've mentioned, you you were wanting to get him in somewhere slightly <laughs> different, so it'll be interesting. I maybe like I maybe like to cut out the bag on that one, you know. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. it's, it's, in fairness, if Midge does go in at left midfield, which I can understand because not everyone's seen the, you know, it's it's apples and oranges with Cami and Midge on that one. Two different players, but obviously there's respective careers at the club and the the, what, the impact they had were both as significant as each other. Do you know what I mean with the, the trophies and that and stuff? But you know if. Um, if Midge goes in the, the squad, but what I would say is any Ross County Hall of Fame would have to have a Michael Gardine in it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, another another nomination, obviously, for his season during the top six was yeah. Charles Cook. Obviously, the the kind of the path he went on, some people will be yeah. willing to nominate him. And that's understandable as well. Um, you look over some of the other players over the years as well from likes of those Highland League days and yeah. seasons in the, the top flight or you know coming through the Scottish leagues I'm sure there'll be quite a few quite a few mentions there so yeah let yeah. us know in the in the question box down below who are your nominations yeah. we'll discuss them next week and put the majority of them out to a vote like we've done with yeah. the previous positions too so uh, that's pretty much everything now the, the only thing I wanted to, to end on is that if you're planning on making any of the two upcoming away trips in the, the next week or so, they can get the tickets over on the club website. And especially for the, the Hibs game down at Easter Road, they're doing a really good package for, I think it's like a Halloween special, trying to get as many fans along to the game as they can. And yeah. adult tickets across the board for both home fans and away fans are £10. Which Good on them. I yeah. think that's great. And clubs should be doing more of that because again, yeah. when they've got these events on, Ross, for me all football clubs in the Scottish Premier League at 20 should be plenty. I think it's ridiculous when even for an adult and a fiver for a kid because the amount yeah. you spend as a parent going along to the game just to buy the pies, the club shops and that, I think we price ourselves out the market a wee bit with football. Um, yeah. and season tickets count. you still got the cheapest season ticket in the Scottish Premier League, which is still, for me, value for money. But for the, the people that can't afford that up front, I would always, you know, the, the odd person that just thinks I'm going to go along to the game tonight yeah. So, big round of applause to Hibs uh, as a club for doing that. I think it's a really good idea, and I, I wish more clubs would do specials like that every so often. Do you know what I mean? Just to Indeed. entice people along to to the game and that stuff, and hopefully we can give them a, a hammer horror at uh, Easter Road. Um, but obviously, prior to that, we've got to to take care of well, and um, hopefully, we're we're not wishing well after that game. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So, if you're planning on making trips to to either grounds or both head over to the club's website to get your tickets and, you know, credit to everyone that made the trip down to Dens last night as well on a Tuesday night with the, you know, time of year conditions over the last few days and the time that some yeah. people will be making it back up the road, you know, fair play to to every single person who makes these away yeah, trips. Yeah, big because, shout out, big shout yeah. out to all those staggies that made that trip. That was yeah. fantastic to do that on a, a midweek with all, of, all everything that's been going on. Absolutely, and every away trip as well because that's one, that's one thing we are easily, you know, chucked a, a label that's chucked at us you know it's criticism yeah. of our away support but you know it doesn't matter if it's it's small numbers it's it's loyal supporters anyway you know and, and the genuine the genuine football fans on social media you'll see that they'll see yeah. proper fans and I totally agree with that's proper fans when you totally know agree. midweek 
Dens Park, Tuesday night, <laughs> you know, in bad weather conditions, that is commitment by the Staggies fans going down to that game. Absolutely. So, anyway, Stephen, thank you very much for joining me once again. Yes, and please, 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 SFA and referees, let's not have a bad referees corner next week. Let's have, let's talk about a great county win and lots of exciting goals and entertainment. I was trying to think of a good outro, but that sums it up perfectly. <laughs>